Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome everybody back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Join alongside my tag team partner, the New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. How you doing tonight, man? Oh, I am not the New Jersey Kid tonight. That's true. I am, I am the South Carolina Kid. You're the South Carolina Kid. Well, you know what? We got a little bit of other foreign news uh, this week in the world <laughs> of wrestling. South Carolina's foreign. Well, it's foreign for you. It is. You're, you're so located in New Jersey. You know, you've got that loyalty. Yeah, dude, it's so weird. Uh, <laughs> being being in another state is completely foreign for you. Uh, but over over the pond, over in New Japan, we had some really big big events happening. Uh, so after losing. A match to Tanahashi because uh, Okada challenged Tanahashi for the uh, briefcase that's going to allow him to uh, challenge the IWGP champion at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Like Tanahashi's decided he's defending it against Okada and uh, Jay White before Wrestle Kingdom because mm-hmm. those are the two people he did not beat in the G1. Yeah. So he beat Okada, and then after the match, uh, Ghetto comes out, and alongside Jay White, Ghetto betrays Okada, hits him in the back with a chair, and aligns with Jay White. Mm. You know what I... These guys have been together for like six, seven years, like for a long-ass time. Wasn't this rumored or something like that? Um, I can't remember if I'd heard the specific rumors of like Ghetto betraying. I mean, there maybe there are rumors out there. Um, mm. But like, I had definitely... You've know, been seeing it. It's been very obvious for a while that Jay White, I think, was going to betray uh, Okada more outright soon enough. Mm. But the yeah. fact that Ghetto went along with it too, I think, is pretty interesting. Dude, that that is such good storytelling by them. Totally. Well, and it, it's actually really consistent too, because uh, like, there's a certain like Ghetto siding with the new Okada in a lot of ways, because like Jay White coming in and beating a lot of the guys that he's beaten so quickly is very reminiscent too when Okada came back. And he was such a hothead, and he was like beat Tanahashi at such a young age. So it's like he's kind of siding with like the young ace in a way, like whoever he would think that, that is. Because mm. if now he's seeing that Okada's lost to both Omega, and then now he's lost to Tanahashi, a guy that like, for the most part, throughout the times that Tanahashi and Okada have fought, Okada's beaten Tanahashi, but now he can't even beat Tanahashi, so he's like. Maybe he's thinking, I'm going to jump ship. Jump to the younger, better guy. Yep, jump jump to the younger, better guy. The guy who, in the G1, Jay White beat both Okada and Tanahashi. Yes. Well, I, it kind of, you need a change up too, right? 
well, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I think they've already got some other interesting storylines going on too, as far as like factions changing up within like Bullet Club. They've got the Firing Squad storyline, so that was kind of like my only hesitation in my mind as far as like them doing this right now. But at the same time, like I do think this is the most kind of interesting direction for them to go as far as like Okada's program for Wrestle Kingdom would probably be against Jay White. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense to kind of get that started, I guess. Yeah. Although at the same time, like I could have seen them waiting like one more pay per view or something, wait until like power struggle and then get it going. Because mm-hmm. now we have like a little bit more of that blip in the road in before Wrestle Kingdom. So you know, I I could kind of see it going a lot of different ways, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down for it. It's exciting, and it makes a lot of sense. The thing that I think is really good about it is that it makes a lot of sense. Yes. From Ghetto's perspective and, of being, like, the promoter who just wants to make a lot of money and align himself with the guy who's going to win. Yes, like, and especially Okada hasn't been doing, like, his Rainmaker stuff. So has the, it really hasn't fit with Ghetto's style. Right, that's true. <laughs> like, you, like you said, he's the guy that just wants to make money, so... Mm-hmm. Maybe Jay White will be the new Rainmaker. Huh. Maybe. <clears throat> Although that is, I, I guess that does beg the question too, as far as um, like I wonder how this is going to affect Chaos, like whether Chaos is going to sort of split as far as like whose loyalties they go to, or does everybody stick with Okada and then just Jay White and Ghetto are going off and doing their own thing, or does Jay White try and take over Chaos alongside Ghetto? And then, like, they're just kicking out Okada, maybe? Hmm. A lot of questions. A lot, like, lot of questions. Because, like, I don't know, Chaos... I mean, I guess there is a little bit of unity kind of to it, but, like, just from what I've seen, it doesn't seem to be nearly as, uh, t- like, very tight-knit as, like, all the other factions in New Japan. And I could actually see this one, like, just fully dissolving. Chaos way. is... It's kind of like the, um they kind of go by the theory of chaos, right? That like the world is just heading in that direction. And so they just kind of hang around each other, so to speak. Like chaos breeds chaos kind of a thing. I guess it's like, not, I, it's not a true team. It's just like, ah, uh, we all just are kind of here. Yeah. It's, it's kind of just like, it's, it's like Okada's faction of just guys who are really good. Yeah. Who he just like invites into his group. Like it, that's kind of what it's been for a little bit, I guess. Um, but yeah, with, with Jay White challenging him, who knows, if, I wonder if that changes or if that just kills the group entirely. Like if this is one of those scenarios where if you cut the head off the snake, does the whole thing just dissolve? I think you could go a couple ways. I think you could do that. I think you could do Jay White starts his own version. So maybe he keeps some of the guys, maybe he gets rid of some of them, brings in his own people. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be interesting if they if they actually decided to turn a lot of the guys and do something like that with him. It would be a very big switch. Because I do feel like definitely the way that they've been telling the story and the way that it's set up, like, Jay White has always been the odd man out in mm. chaos. Um, especially because there's, like, a lot in the tag matches and whatnot. Like, he'll uh, fuck over his own teammates. Like, he'll do blind tags. He'll blame them when spots go wrong. Uh, whereas most of the other people will cooperate a lot more easily um but you know there could be an interesting sort of kind of story and case to be made for somebody like yoshihashi who 
is like been on a losing streak for a long time and like Jay White especially has bullied him a lot. I wonder if you could do like a really interesting uber heel turn with him. Uh, with him. Jeez, I can't speak. Uh, with him. This is at South Carolina. You're affecting me. Uh, yeah, with, with Yoshihashi maybe to kind of spice up his character. Maybe have him join a new heel faction that's got Jay White at the head of it. Mm. And like, you know, maybe it's just kind of like that, you know, Jay just bullies him into it. Well, I could see like Beretta and Chucky T sticking around with him. I could see Rocky Romero hanging out. Mm, like maybe split from Rapongi 3K, or do you think he brings the boys? Maybe he brings the boys. Because I, you know, I could see that. That could that could freshen up their characters a little bit. That could be interesting. Yeah. And then yeah, you just have like the other because I don't think that like you would have Hiroki Goto join with him. You wouldn't have Tomo no. Ishii join with him. I wouldn't even have like Toriyano join with him at all. It would kind of turn into like a foreign faction. Yeah, it'd be like a new foreign faction. Yeah. Hmm. Because yeah, most of the guys that we mentioned there were uh, foreign white guys. Besides Yo and Cho, right? Yeah. Maybe they would be like the Switchblades or something. Like he mm. makes a gang called the Switchblades and they all uh, <laughs> have leather jackets and carry around knives and they're just like the, the they Jets snap or their something. Fingers yep, as exactly. they walk along. <laughs> Gonna get them sharks. Sharks. <laughs> yeah, just call themselves the Jets. Fuck it. Like just steal the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Jay White and the Jets. Or J- yeah, Jay White, the Switchblade, and the Jets. Ugh. This is why we shouldn't book New Japan. Our ideas are not better than that. Today in the Jets. You know what? There's actually a far more important question I should be asking you, Joe. What is that? That is, what would Bobby Roode do? Um, Just kind of hang out in the back while everyone else cuts promos. Yeah. Well, apparently this is the school of thought that uh, Chad Gable is subscribing to now. Right? This is his question is, what would Bobby Roode do? Wait, I mean, what have, you, what have you thought of this so far? Um, It's not going the direction that I wanted it to go yet. M- mostly, especially because, like, he just lost to fucking Connor. Like, mm-hmm. you just lost to a member of the Ascension. Nobody loses to the Ascension. Do you, you want to know when the last time Connor won a singles match was? Has he won a singles match before? Not when he was Connor of the Ascension, but when he was Connor, <laughs> I think. Oh, what was his name? Oh my gosh! Uh, his former Connor name, like it was Connor something, I think. Okay. When he was in mm-hmm. NXT, that's the last time he won a singles match. That bad, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so that's that's kind of fucking silly. Um, I don't know why they would do that. The other, I mean, they're I think doing that... a they're doing a slow burn on this, and I just think it's so weird. Well, it's it's a slow burn, but it's a weird slow burn. Because I just, I don't get where they're supposed to be going with it. Like, I feel like there just needs to be a promo or two, like, actually as part of it and not just, like, a WWE.com exclusive that explains why they're together. It, and a it, little, I, I want a little more Bobby's side, too. Exactly, especially, I want to see... only hearing from Chad. Right, like, let's hear Bobby talk about why he's decided to join up with Chad Gable. And, like, that way we could see the seeds of... Um, Bobby just kind of riding Chad's coattails, so to speak, which is what we thought was where it was going in the beginning. Still seems to be going that way. Right. Like just like Chad does all the work. Yeah, exactly. Like we could see that or we could see like if they want to go in this different direction of like Bobby Brood being his mentor or something, Mm -hmm. 
Herming then, him. Then do that. Have Bobby Ruby like, hey, I see a lot of potential in the kid, and maybe I see a lot of me in him, and I want to help him grow his talent. So I'm, yeah, like I'm helping him out. I'm taking an, I'm taking him under under his wing. Yeah, like, I've traveled the world already. Yeah. I am going to instill the knowledge I've learned so far in him. Yeah, like that's all we need. Mm-hmm. I just want a little explanation as to why these guys are together. Are they supposed to be tag team partners, or is it more of a manager and wrestler relationship? Like. What's going on? Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. So, so, then, so that then we're actually telling a story instead of just being like, hey, here's a thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's what I feel like they need to do with that. But um, one thing I do like the direction they're going in on is Becky Lynch. Yeah. Uh, I definitely liked her more take charge attitude this week with like coming so, in and just being like, hey, Lana, you're part of the women's division. So guess what, bitch? You're fighting me. <laughs> so what? It, what have you thought so far with this this past week of how they're handling her and how the crowd is reacting? Uh, I thought this week was a lot better than other weeks, um, except for like the, I mean, the, the random attack on Charlotte backstage and then getting the pictures taken. Like, I get that that's part of the direction that they want to go in, but I don't mm-hmm. think that that's the I think that's kind of the weaker part of the direction that they're doing right now. Because mm. the, the Becky being an attention hog thing and being just like an over-the-top heel, that's not, more of where yeah. they want to go, but I don't think that's the smart way to go. But no. the thing that they're doing right, which I want them to keep doing, is keep letting Becky be a badass. Yes. Like, that is good. Keep and doing that. And I think that. from what I'm hearing is that like they're basically going in that direction and like they just kind of don't care what the crowd does. And I think that's okay. That you know what? Hey, that's that's better than them just trying yeah, to like, like force just destroying it. her character, like completely. Um, I think they're just kind of like Becky's gonna do what she wants, mm-hmm. whatever the crowd does happens. You know, I would I would actually really like to maybe even see her continue this sort of thing that she just did with Lana. Maybe do this with mm-hmm. some of the other women, like maybe call out the Iconics or call out. Um, let's see, who are some? Oh yeah, like Sony Deville or Mandy Rose. Like, some mm-hmm. other women on the roster who are just, like, haven't been on TV in a little while, haven't really earned it's... their keep yet, and just be like, hey, you know what? I'm the women's champion, and uh, if you're going to be part of my division, then you're going to have to be able to hang with me. And if you're not going to be able to hang with me, then I'm going to break your arm. And there's so much good that can come out of that, right? Like, yeah. you're you're establishing Becky. You're bringing more prominence to these other women. Like, what the, the Iconics haven't done, like, shit <laughs> in a while. They just come out cut short promos on the crowd slash their opponent and then lose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, do you think they're going to try and put them over at the super show or not? I don't know. Cause it's like their hometown. People, That's their which hometown. Means they lose. Yeah. Uh, especially I feel like heels in the hometown don't always do well. Right? No, I can see buddy winning uh, for the hometown thing, but I don't know about the iconics, but back, so back to the Becky thing though. And yeah. it, it, it will kind of work like the open challenge thing. Yeah. Except yeah. it's the champ calling. It's the reverse, yeah. She, It's the forced challenge. <laughs> it's not open, it's forced. I would love if they called it that. The SmackDown uh, women's forced challenge. The the SmackDown women's like title hunt, where she hunts you down and forces you to fight her for the title. I could see that going so silly, though. It's like, people are like trying to hide in the back, and you just see like Becky appear out of the background, like, 
well, hey, you know, it's really not going to be any more silly than Truth TV. That was but, so good. But that was Don't like you... the right kind of silly. That was oh, fucking so fucking <laughs> so good. And also, too, quick uh, you know, note within that whole thing, too. Carmella mm. is having a really good character reboot alongside yes. our truth. Yes. Like, she just, in a very short period of time, she was like heel bitch champion. And now she's all of a sudden like super likable dance friend of our truth. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you know, nobody, I nobody think... cares. Like, nobody booed her in this segment at all. You know what I think uh, helped is her changing her hair color. That and that, honestly, I think this is just a better character for her overall. Like mm-hmm. the other, the Staten Island princess. The, the other problem with that is the Staten Island princess needed somebody like Ellsworth. If she wasn't yes. going to have Ellsworth, it wasn't going to work. She um, plays well off of others, which is fine. Probably. If that's how your character works, great. Dude, I, I would say a majority of other <laughs> characters are like this. Like you play yeah. better off, even like like Miz is way better with Maurice. Mm-hmm. Like actually, you know, I would say that every single wrestler, when they're paired with the right people, are much better. Because then, like, example. Also, um, also, for example, like Dolph Ziggler's been paired with a lot of different people that haven't worked that well, but him being paired with Vicky Guerrero super worked. Uh, Edge with Vicky, Edge uh, with um, mm-hmm. Cena, the Edge Cena rivalry, so fucking good. Yeah, there's like, there's you just got to find the right chemistry for certain people. Um, I think it was Edge even said that him and Cena call each other old shoe. <laughs> Because they, they're like, whenever they work together, they just fit like an old shoe. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but yeah, anyway, like what we're saying, just you know, the whole Truth TV segment. I oh, yeah, Truth TV. Great. It was a lot of fun. The, <laughs> For a second, I was like, well, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, because well, like the, uh, yeah, the, the chemistry of our truth and Carmela is a lot yes. of what helps sell it. Like it's a fun sort of segment. They've got the dance breaks. They tease the animal segment that Miz ruined. And you know what? What was great was Daniel Bryan was the uh, the first guest, and that was perfect because he knows how to play off in that segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he he gave it the right amount of props of like it being fun, but he didn't do the like typical babyface thing of like overselling shit. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so fun! This is the greatest TV show I've ever been on. No, he's just like, oh, well, this is fun. Yeah, I like that you guys have well, dance you, breaks. You know what I think? I think he was actually having fun though. Yeah, to, well, totally. I believe you. Yeah. The, yeah, having seen enough Daniel Bryan too, I feel yeah. like you can tell like when he's doing the acting, and then when he's just laughing and having a good time. And yeah, I think he was having a good time. And then Truth just makes it better all the time. <laughs> I'm glad you changed your hair color because you looked like now I can tell the difference between you and that other Carmel. Yeah, other Carmela. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Our and we've said this a lot of times throughout the years. Like our Truth is actually a really good talent. Oh yeah, he's he's good in the ring. Like he's not he's not Shawn Michaels, but he's good, and he can make you laugh. Like that's all you need out of a talent. Well, it's all you need. It's like it's he has enough skills to be a very talented guy that you'd want on your roster. Yes, like you know and, he's not the guy you put in the main event, but you can do almost everything else with him. Yeah, and actually, you know what? When he's a heel, I don't see why he's not a main event guy. Mm, that's very true. Because he's a scary heel. Oh, yeah. He's good. Um, but, yeah, this is a fun segment. Uh, and then, you know, Daniel, or not Daniel Bryan, um, Miz having to go and fight it, uh, R-Truth to get the segment back. That was kind of I fun. have a feeling the segment makes a return. I feel like next week, like, R-Truth oh, yeah. fights him again for it, and, like, Daniel Bryan interferes to make Truth win. 
Yeah, maybe like depending on the reception. Like if a lot of people mm. were really down with True TV, maybe they do that again. Mm. But uh, uh, what did you think of the "Say Something Nice" challenge? <laughs> as far as like, whether should they bring that back again or no? Uh, that was fun. I thought it was funny too because like it was a. I don't know whether this was part of the writing of it initially or if they wrote this because of this happening in reality. But there was some sort of like little Twitter beef between Biggie and Seamus online. Mm. So then I guess this is like in response of like, oh, well, you're talking beef at each other. Now you got to say something nice. Mm. Could be. Um, I think maybe get New Day with someone like maybe like the Usos again or something. And I think it might just be a little more entertaining. So, you know what? You know what might be a really good idea as far as just like how to improve this a little bit? Have, take advantage of the fact that the New Day has three members and have the bar just like injure one of them in storyline. Obviously, not really. Like, I feel like that's a really good well that they haven't really gone to enough with uh, the New Day. As far as just like a perfect avenue to get heat in a feud and put over another team is that you've, you've always at any time basically got one guy that's disposable. So you can do this kind of angle with. That's true. And actually, you know what? Probably the most effective way if you want to do it would be like if you had them take out Big E. Because then it's like, oh shit, it's the, you know, two big guys against two guys that are definitely smaller than them. Yeah. So. Don't always keep it as the same formula. Mm-hmm. Right. And then especially too, because like I don't know what the plan is as far as like if they just are trying to keep the belts on New Day for a little while until they kind of figure out what they want to do. Or if they want to switch it over to the bar, then that would be like a good way to do it, right? Is like take out the big mm-hmm. guy, they get the titles, and then it's like, you know, once Biggie comes back, then they got to try and get the titles back. Yeah. Put the New Day back in chase mode. So, you could have that. You could have the Usos come back in. Like, they've, they've got a lot of bodies in that SmackDown tag division. The problem is that they just generally in WWE, they just so rarely decide to focus on the tag team division. And it's so up and down because it's like they finally when they do focus on for a little bit, they do only for a little while and then they just Mm -hmm. fall off. Yeah. So there's not really that like consistency for that division. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, what do you think as far as let me see, I was going to try and say consistency leading over to something. Oh, here's consistency. I haven't looked it up yet, but. Have you looked up into and seen like what SmackDown episode or WWE event happened in Milwaukee that Aiden might be referring to with his like accusation no. against Lana? I think it's going to be one of those things like that like Lana tried to sleep with him or something like that maybe. Ooh, so so do you where do you th- which angle do you think they're going to go with it? Do you think that there's going to be actually something there and there's some actual intrigue to the storyline? Or are they going to do one of their other typical moves, which is just that uh, w- or Aiden decides to like fake some video or fake some audio to make it sound like something happened, and then it's all just bullshit? That could be interesting. I would love if they did that. Because WWE hasn't done that a lot. It's been a couple of years, but I remember them... Having done that before, there was, like, uh, the time with, like, oh, shit, what was it? It was John Cena was involved with, like, AJ Lee or something. There was some sort of angle with them where it was, like, a weird message that was left on somebody's, like, voicemail. 
or something. Oh my gosh, like that was really bad. Well, I think wait after that might have been the Daniel Bryan one, right? Where they claim that he slept with the uh, physical therapist or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that shit. Which was oh, uh, who was it? She's a diva now, or sorry, a wrestler now. Oh shit, was she? Yeah, physical therapist. Oh wait, oh. was this um was this um Sarah Logan? I think so. <laughs> gosh that's i totally forgot about that oh my gosh that shit is so bad so yeah i i don't know i i really don't know which way i want them to go with this because i feel like i don't want them to go either way with this it was um it's uh zach Ryder's girlfriend chelsea green uh, okay she was daniel bryan's uh yes therapist yeah the one who she was just at uh all in she wrestled in the four-way mm-hmm Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Wait, yeah, where do you, where do you think, or maybe better question, where do you want them to go with this whole Rusev Day breakup? Um, I would love to see just Rusev and Aiden uh, together, but I have a feeling it's going to be Rusev and Lana. Like if like you want Rusev to buy into what Aiden was saying and be like, you know what, you're right. It was better without Lana, and then they just become a tag team. mm Hmm. I would be totally down for that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Especially because, yeah, I don't know. It's like Lana was helpful when they wanted to go do the heel Rusev thing, but like I guess that's past at this point, and now we want to do face Rusev, obviously. And Aiden's a much better fit, and Lana being part of it actually kind of drags the group down, to be honest. It's and especially it's been so weird with her, like having the accent, not having the accent, and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Her having the accent, not having the accent. And then just, yeah, just being this unnecessary third wheel as a part of this group. Or, you know what, honestly, if if she's going to still be there, then she should just still be the eye candy that's there with Rusev. Like, she doesn't need to talk. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because at least for me, any Lana that's not the, like, crazy Russian bitch Lana that we had of old is uninteresting because yeah. she's also a bad wrestler like you know oh yeah she's horrible that's you know pretty uh, pretty undisputed i think well not as bad as brie but <laughs> yeah at least she's not giving bitches concussions mm-hmm. uh, but i mean it, i don't know i guess that's that's not the worst one of those botches but it's definitely like i hate how much like it seems like people are just like oh like you know Whatever, don't criticize Brie. And it's like, look, let's criticize her a little bit. She <laughs> fucked up. Like, I'm not saying, like, the bitch should never wrestle again. Like, I'm not saying that. At least I'm not saying that from this. Like, I'd say that maybe she shouldn't really wrestle again because she's just not a good wrestler. Um, but, you know, whatever. She botched a kick. Can we can <laughs> we say that she botched a kick? I just, because I hate that, like, the responses seem to have been that, like, you know, even from like Brie herself and other people really close to the situation or something, or like it's like, oh, we can't even call it a botch. Don't call it a botch. Why? Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. <laughs> yeah. It's like why? All right, whatever. I hope this gets on botchomania. Um, one other thing from SmackDown while we're on that show mm-hmm. is uh, I absolutely love uh that Randy Orton is gonna 
seems like he's going to feud with uh, Ty Dillinger. Is that what you think is happening out of this? I think maybe. Because I, I got more of the impression that... Uh, I, don't, I guess I don't really know exactly what my impression is out of this, but I I got, if anything, I thought the impression is that maybe they're doing like a slow burn feud with Nakamura and Orton. And maybe not a slow burn feud, but like maybe a slow burn that they're going to become like allies or something. Because I just thought it was weird that like, you know, we, first we had you know him taking out Jeff Hardy, who was associated with Nakamura, and now he's going right after the next person that Nakamura fights. Mm. Like... That seemed weird, because then afterwards, this whole explanation was just like, oh, well, I don't like the the Perfect Ten thing. It annoys me. Well, because he, he said that he was going to go for the guys that the people like. So I thought, oh, people like Ty, so they do the Ten thing. Mm-hmm. True. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm really not sure exactly where they're going with this, but I kind of feel like they're, in a, in a lot of ways, they're trying to put Randy on hold for whoever comes up from NXT next. Because mm. actually, you know, I mean, I don't know what their plan would be, but like if, say, Aleister Black is going to be coming up soon, I mean, I feel like Aleister Black and Randy Orton could have a hell of a fucking match. Yeah, they could. And actually, you know what? If you wanted to go really weird with it, because they, um, they haven't really given a definitive who who done it yet as far as the uh, who attacked Aleister Black, and you mm-hmm. want to do some weird retconning, say Randy Orton did it or something. <laughs> Like, he came down to the Performance Center and just attacked <laughs> Aleister Black for no fucking reason. He RKO'd Dude, him out hilarious. of nowhere. Oh. Now it can finally full come full circle. The true RKO out of nowhere. Oh my god, that would be Holy awesome. Holy shit. Here we go. Oh my god. This would be crazy, because then Aleister Black, his debut on the main roster would be, he finds out that Randy Orton was the one that attacked him, and he comes after him. Blacks mass him on the first yeah. time that he sees him. Totally. Just like out of nowhere, just like attacks Randy Orton out of nowhere, black masks him, and just like, I know what you did. Or doesn't even say anything. Just does this like a sitting Indian style or cross legged. Oh no, I guess that is Indian style because it actually is India Indian. <laughs> I, I try to catch myself because, like, you know, we grew up in the 90s when like people still use like the word Indian for Native American. Yes. regularly uh so every once in a while i fuck it up but like that time's like oh no actually that is indian style uh, anyway that would be fucking sick i'd love to see alistair black versus randy orton that would be great but yeah i don't know i'm really not sure where they're going right now with randy orton i i, I just, I just think a like... feud with nakamura would be a little weird so yeah although I, I would totally love to see them team up i think that'd be a great mm. heel duo very like, true. Maybe keep the U.S. title with them. Maybe drop it off to somebody else and have them be like, just become like this amazing heel tag team. I don't know. I could see it either way. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I think that's pretty much. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Of course. I was about to skip over back to Raw, but let's talk about the last part of SmackDown. Samoa Joe, Daddy's home. Oh. The home invasion. Dude, how did we forget about this? Oh, no, wait, not home invasion yet. He just knocked on the door. That's true. He just cut the black right after he cut the... Hit the How door. good was that? That was whoever decided to do that. Fucking genius. Yeah, it was good. It was definitely like, okay, good job using like an editing technique to tell your story more effectively. Because mm-hmm. now, guess what? I'm excited to watch 
I'm, I'm always excited to watch SmackDown. It's the better show. But next week, I'm like, hmm, I want to see what happens. Yeah, because like I, I'd assume that they would have posted up some sort of thing already now if if the idea would be that Samoa Joe actually like attacked anybody, and I don't think that that was the idea. But I'm wondering if he like left the creepy doll there at the house, <laughs> and maybe there's like something inside of it. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the hell it's gonna be. Like, I feel like there's got to be some sort of longer payoff for this, but I'm not sure what it is. I all I know is I'm excited for it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I we got one more match with these guys at Super Showdown that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that's weird to me is that like we went back and we've addressed this uh, this part of the feud, the like family part of the feud, but I don't family really feud. feel like yeah, family feud. But I don't really feel like they've properly addressed the whole like AJ Styles tapping situation that happened at hell in a cell Mm. like even last week there was a little bit of the attack and whatnot and that kind of made sense it's just like oh okay well he's just frustrated or something but then now that we've gotten like an elaborate promo segment again i thought it was weird that like like it's not that it's not bad that we've gone back to this i just feel like it's weird that joe hasn't called out aj for tapping i think maybe the family storyline is taking precedent so I maybe guess, it's, but like it's but like it's should, not shouldn't, a, shouldn't you have I'm to better address than it though because isn't the isn't this the reason that Joe's getting another match? I mean he he's getting the other match right, so I think that's kind of like it kind of a thing. Like oh you're getting the rematch, so why would you keep bringing that up? Kind of a thing maybe. I'm just trying to play doubles advocate here. I guess I'm I'm trying to remember like whether he he did whether they he, had he he argued with Paige. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah, it was You're the right. first SmackDown totally after Hell in a Cell. Yep, okay. I forgot about like, that. Did you see that crap? What the hell? What the, hell? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, now he's just getting further oh, back into his head. Um, quick tangent. Uh, have you watched that show, The Good Place, with Kristen Bell? No. So good, one. But uh, so they're in heaven, right? So okay. she can't curse. So anytime she goes to curse, it like so fuck becomes fork. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Fun show. But that's what, when you said fuck it, I immediately thought of that. Mm-hmm. What the fork? What the fork? <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, you have to say something nice, Joe. This is the say something nice challenge. Can't be saying fuck oh, on this uh, show. Um, I'm from down, I'm down south, so what did they say? I don't know. Darn. You gotta say <laughs> darn. Or... Oh, darn. Darn. Do that south twist on it. Like Braun Strowman would say it, like, darn. Darn. <laughs> Which oh. uh, leads us back over to Raw. Yes, and, but real oh, quick on with Braun Strowman. Alexa Bliss apparently not a K-Fabe injury for the Mixed Max Challenge. Apparently she was actually, like, lost feeling in her arms for a good bit. Or her one arm. Well, get in the ring with Ronda Rousey. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. She's actually going to pull on it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be a victim blamer or anything, but, like, what did she think was going to happen? <laughs> it's right too relevant right now. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of other intended victims and whatnot, we've got this war going on between the, the dogs of war and the shield. 
Not and a physical war. A psychological not, war. Not yet. Yes. Yes. The psychological war is first. Yes. And we're trying to determine who's going to get beat down by who and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I've got a little bit of a theory I want to throw at you before we delve into the whole thing and dissect it piece by piece. Okay. I was going to say, do we need to go through like what happened on Raw first? Or? Not yet. No. I'm going I'm okay. to start with this and then we can get into it. Okay. Uh, so I think this is my pitch for what I think actually might happen and my pitch for what I think they should do. I think at the end of all this, at the end of the war between the Dogs of War and the S.H.I.E.L.D., the S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be dissolved again, and the Dogs of War are going to continue, but as a new group. And that group is going to consist of Dolph, Drew, and Dean, but not Braun. Okay. That's how I think this whole thing is going to end eventually. Interesting. Where do you think this is all going? I have a feeling that they're just going to go the simple route and just have Dean turn on Roman and Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like your theory or another theory just to change it up a bit. Totally, because I, I totally see them trying to capitalize on some of the story elements they put into this one, right? Because we had... Uh, the Dogs of War trying to call out Dean and saying, like, hey, you should join us. You know, you could become part of our group. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll let you have the Intercontinental Championship after Braun wins the Universal title. Yeah. Uh, like, all that, that sort was, of stuff. I thought that was a great little piece by them of mm-hmm. the, look, you, Seth's got the Intercontinental, Roman's got the world, where do you fit in kind of a thing. Yep, yep, pointing out that. And that was a great fucking visual they did, right, where they had uh, you oh, know, Roman yeah, when, and Seth the titles. And Dean and just kind of looking like, yeah, I got a haircut. Pissed in the middle. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, but yeah, and then we had you know on the opposite side, of course, too. Then Rollins trying to get into Drew's head, and went on. And then eventually, then Drew going and talking to Dean, and basically suggesting he's like, "Well, I don't know whether Seth's trying to make a four man shield or not, but you know, hey, if you want to come join us, there's also that, and you know, hey, also." Yeah. Of course, you should definitely trust your S.H.I.E.L.D. brothers, right? It's not like they ever stabbed you in the back. How many times did they call you when you were dying from a stab infection? Yeah. Yeah, because I think part of the rationale could be looking at this as like, in this episode, Dean was out there with the S.H.I.E.L.D. together, but the only guys that he actually talked to one-on-one at any point in this episode were uh, Dolph and Drew. And in their interactions... In the entire episode, both of them were completely honest with him. Like, when Dolph went and talked to Dean, and he was saying about, like, all of his stuff about, like, when they were on SmackDown together, and he was pointing out the fact that, like, hey, look, man, you were at your most successful when you weren't with those guys. Mm. And that's true. Yeah, he had the world title when Mm -hmm. he wasn't with them. Hey, Dolph even challenged him for that title unsuccessfully, so he knows. He knows that he had that title. Uh... You know, so like he was there, he was telling him that, saying that like, look, you know, you could become part of our group, it could be awesome. You know, and then Drew basically called him out and said that like he actually has some respect for him because like he brought him to his limits and then was trying to even like point out to Dean the machinations of Seth Rollins. Yeah. Like the fact that he talks to, hey, look, Seth Rollins came and talked to me and he said all this stuff to me. And, you know, also you should remember your own history with those guys. Yeah, Seth never turned on me before, right? 
So I could totally see, and I think it could make a lot of sense that like you know Dean, they get to the point where like they're having this battle with the you know, two groups. Dean decides to turn on Seth and uh, Roman. I think maybe you would do it if like. I feel like the way that it would make the most sense is like if Dean lost the tag team match and then thinking that they were going to turn on him because he lost it for them, he turns on them first instead. Mm. And then he, you know, so he turns, it looks like he's with all of the dogs of war. And then after Seth and Roman have been beat down, then Dean, Dolph and Drew would beat down Braun, give him a triple power bomb through a table or something like that, you the announce table, and then put their hands together like for a shield bump. These guys being the new dogs of war, because all of their first names start with D. Hmm. They're the dogs. Dean, wow. Dolph, and Drew. So then that's where Braun doesn't fit in. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, Braun just doesn't fit in with them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not really one of us? But I could just totally see, like, it, you take Braun out of that equation, and then you plug in Drew McIntyre, or not Drew McIntyre, keep Drew McIntyre in there, but you plug in Dean Ambrose as the new mouthpiece <coughs> and leader for this group, and they're just angry, pissed guys who want their due. Mm. Yeah. I, that I would could, work well. I could do with that group causing some havoc on Raw. And then, you know what, too? If you want to have, like, a little Franken-team opposite for, like, you know, one match or two... You try to have Braun team back up with Seth and Roman against these guys. You could do that six-man tag match. And then eventually that team dissolves because, of course, Braun isn't going to be able to work with Roman. Because they hate each other. Or at least they fucking mm. should, right? Because like, they put each other in ambulances and tried to murder each other inside of said ambulances. Like, uh, Dean brought out a hot dog cart one time, I think, to attack Seth. Yeah. Hot dogs, everything. Like, there's been everything in these feuds. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I would like to see them go with it. And, you know, if you put a group behind Dean in this way, and if, I think you could totally have Dean eventually then get the title too. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Intercontinental or Universal. I don't know. What do you think about the whole situation? I like your theory. Like I said, I have a feeling they're going to go with Dean just turns on those guys and that's it. But So in the aftermath of that, do you think Dean would just kind of like be on his own? Yeah. I could totally see that too. And actually, I, like that could also be fine. Um, like if they do that right. Because I think that Dean also has that kind of perfect sort of just complete renegade loner feel. Especially if he ends up becoming like a lot more... Kind of like the way they've been booking Samoa Joe, actually, for the last year. Like, being a lot more dangerous, doing a lot of attacking people backstage, sneak attacks. I could see that and have him go after Rollins. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like either way, right, he just he has to finally turn heel against these guys. <laughs> I mean, come on, he looks like a heel. He looks like a heel. He acts like a heel. Well, he doesn't quite act like a heel, but he's almost there. <laughs> he's teetering on the edge. We see it. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> yep. Uh, right on the fringe. The lunatic fringe. Yeah, um, get it? 
ah, ah, you get it. Uh, but another thing I'm wondering if everybody's getting is uh, whether whether everybody else realizes that WWE is trying to just turn uh, Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley into the new Black Enzo and Cass. I totally think they are. But at least Leo's um, one million times better wrestler. That that is true. Leo Rush <laughs> is a far better wrestler than Enzo Amore was. Even I didn't Enzo think far... Amore is definitely better on the mic. But I don't know. Leo could give him a run for his money. Dude, you're forgetting how goddamn good Enzo Amore is. Like Leo Rush Maybe is good, but Enzo Amore is way better than Leo but Rush. Is. I would. I'd rather have, I guess, maybe what I'm thinking, I'd rather have the combo that Leo has. I mean, it, I think it just depends on the guy and what you're using him for. That's true. Yeah. I, like, I like Leo Rush's skill set in this uh, combination, though, because I definitely feel like Leo Rush is probably going to be doing more tag team matches and stuff. Like, he's, he's a manager and a tag team partner, I think, of Bobby Lashley. Whereas mm-hmm. Enzo Amore like was a tag team partner of Cass, but he really should have just been a manager, and that's it. Like actually, you know, like uh, can you think like even if it was not just Cass, like Enzo Amore should have just managed a lot of people in WWE. But anyway, that's what two hundred five lives for. It's now two hundred five yeah. live managers and tra- yeah, it's just managers and training. Um, which actually, you know, another little point from Raw that just is kind of weird is like how uh, Drake Maverick gets used over there. Just because, like, it seems to me very weird that he's allowed to do the things that he's allowed to do when then at the same time he is like a GM within he's WWE. A face GM. Right. And like then a heel manager. And like, even just the fact that like he's a GM, so he's got that like higher status within WWE. I would think that like they wouldn't allow him to have this level of a hand in like one of their shows, right? Like it just like okay, so like to provide an example of why I think it's weird is like mm-hmm. right when Paige became the SmackDown general manager, they had a little segment where like the Absolution girls like went up and talked to them and they were like, "Oh, wait, this is awesome. You know, you were our manager." And, and she now was like, "I can't." General manager. Yeah, and then she was like, "I can't." Yeah. So like if she can't, then, like, why can he do this? I think the probably argument is that he's on a separate show doing those things. And then, like, I literally think their their explanation was that first 205 Live mm-hmm. where, uh, who was it? Mustafa Ali, I think. Yeah. I was like, oh, hey, I was hoping you were still wearing your AOP vest. And he goes, what I do on my Monday nights is of none of your concern. So and I guess that opens up the door so, like, could... Uh... Could like Baron Corbin come over to 205 Live and like manage and be a face? Kira Tozawa or something? Like, but he has to be a face. It has to be yeah, the opposite to, of whatever. To... Yeah. So, like, or like, could Paige go manage somebody else on Raw? Or like According down to NXT? this, yes. Huh. Well, all right. That seems weird. Like it, but where? All right, that's fine. I guess just is the idea that like you have to be completely objective on your own show. I guess would that I guess be. So. I guess yeah. that would be the explanation for it. Um, but then as long as it's not your show, then you don't have to be objective. Yeah. Or it's not the show that you're running, is what I mean. Exactly. So, all right, whatever. Fine, we can reconcile that one, maybe. But maybe, like, have that stated somewhere. I don't know. Or also, like, you know what? No, I'm going to take that back. Because WWE constantly fucking shits on that <laughs> all the goddamn time. 
with the GMs just doing whatever the fuck they want, screwing over whoever the fuck they want. So why the fuck would it matter if they just decided to manage a tag team or something? Like, if they yeah, get one know. small... Like, fucking last year, we had Kurt Angle giving matches to his own son. He had his own son on his brand. So, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. This is silliness. Fuck it, we're going live. We're going live. We're going live over to 205 Live to talk about that great match with the Tommy and Mustafa Ali. Did you see this one? No, so I was only ever able to watch Monday and Tuesday stuff. Okay, well, go out of your way to check this one out. Like, okay. 205 Live has been good lately, but this is was a standout match. This mm-hmm. is a really good match. Um, They've so, been putting on good matches on 205 Live. Yeah, definitely. But I think this was even like better than their usual. Mm. Like if if on a Meltzer scale, their usual matches like a, I don't know, like a three and a half or a four star. This was like four and a half at least. Like if there was slightly more story and a slightly different finish, it could have been a five, I think. Maybe like four and three quarters. I'll give Mm. this match four and three quarters. How about that? (laughs) And this is old Meltzer scale. Well, no, I guess also a new Meltzer scale. I don't know how the new Meltzer scale works. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's past five. It's so nebulous. It's like past five is like, is Kenny Omega in the match? Yes, no. <laughs> no, then you're not allowed to go past five. <laughs> then you're not, unless in, the one exception I could think of was a uh, Hiromu and Dragon Lee. I think got five and a half. Is the match occurring from New Japan? Yes. yes. Okay, then go. you can go. Better, <laughs> better, better question. Yes, is this a New Japan match? That yes, then you can. If not, then no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is a really good match. Definitely, uh, anybody who has not seen it, check it out. Uh, another thing, actually, to check out specifically, I thought was really good this week: an impromo segment with uh, Adam Cole and William Regal. Did you see their uh, confrontation? Uh, no. This is this is also really good. This is just a really great character moment for Adam Cole because, like, he uh, came out on on. Uh, on behalf of the Undisputed Era, and also had uh, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly with him. And he basically called out William Regal, saying that like you know, he wants his rematch against Ricochet, and you know, saying all this stuff about how Ricochet's been dodging him. But like the, the thing that was really great about it was not just what he was saying, but like how goddamn well he was saying it. Like Adam Cole is a completely unique, really good talent on the mic. And he mm-hmm. more than held his own against William Regal. Like, went up to him and did the whole, like, you know when uh, somebody, like, disrespects their boss and, like, straightens their collar and tie for them kind of thing? Mm. Like, he did one of those and just, like, made William Regal, like, kind of his bitch for a little bit. Like, and then, of course, William Regal pulled this whole thing of, like, oh, well, guess what? I'm going to put you guys in a bunch of matches that are going to be bad for you kind of thing to get back at them. So, like, there was some comeuppance. <laughs> But it was, yeah. like, really, really well-deserved comeuppance. Like, the crowd was just like, ooh. You know, and Adam <laughs> Cole was acting like a dickhead. <laughs> like, it's really good stuff. Like, I can't wait to see him mouth off uh, McMahon. <laughs> and, like, just tear them to shreds. He is very similar to, like, an upcoming, like, Triple H or Sean, I feel like. I'd, I'd say he's better than Triple H on the mic already, to be honest. Well, I just mean that, that, that DX style. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Like yeah. the young DX style. Yeah, totally. I could see that. 
And actually, you know what? I'm, I'm wondering too, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this. As far as like when Adam Cole comes up to the main roster at some point, mm-hmm. do you see him coming up by himself or do you see him coming up alongside the Undisputed Era? And where do you see them going? I don't know where, but I like, definitely see them coming up as a group. Do you think it's more Raw SmackDown or do you think 205 Live? Oh, Raw SmackDown. And, but I think they come up as a group because I think Vince doesn't. Vince just doesn't what? Hello? Oh, Did we cut up? Oh, are you back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. I just cut out for a second. Okay, so the last thing I heard I, was um, Vince doesn't something. Uh, I, he doesn't see those guys as a threat, like a, like Adam Cole by himself, Kyle O'Reilly by himself. But I think as a group, yes. Totally. And, you know, to to your credit, you know, part of what's that very true is that, you know, they're not that tall. Like, he's a little bit, he was even shorter than William Regal, even though he was definitely letting his personality, like, be big enough to compensate for it. You know, he's, you know. Still kind of short, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And he's in the land of the giants, so that's why it's unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. But, because uh, that's that's the only reason that I'm kind of thinking that like maybe it would be better if like they, if because if they keep building up 205 live, then if you put a guy like Adam Cole in the undisputed era over there, especially if you end up also expanding it to have maybe some tag titles. Hmm. Like, maybe that would be better because I feel like I'd be very afraid of him getting just kind of killed off on Raw or SmackDown for being too small. But then again, like, yes. he's also the kind of guy that, like, I could also see him, like, totally succeeding in breaking away from the Undisputed Era and then maybe creating, like, a new stable. And maybe he would also still wrestle as part of that, but, like, he would have a lot of larger guys as part of his group that could, like, help him out. And if he had that, he could definitely climb the ranks more in WWE. Because the, I guess, like, it, here's a little, maybe a weird comparison that won't work, but in a lot of ways, he's kind of like Kevin Owens in that he's a great talker. He can put on a great match, but he's got one thing that WWE doesn't like about him. Like, he's just mm. a little bit too small. Yeah. With Kevin Owens, it's like he's, with Kevin Owens, is he's fat. Like he's got the size like like that's just I feel like you know what and actually you know what if he if he ends up making just like the Kevin Owens positions maybe that's not bad you know maybe because Kevin Owens has done pretty fucking well for himself so maybe maybe I shouldn't feel too uh despondent or maybe not despondent uh too unhopeful dismal I don't know. Mm, I should have a, I should, yeah, very pessimistic. I shouldn't be quite so pessimistic about what WWE will do with Adam Cole. We'll see. I mean, shit, if the, if the theories are right about the North American title, didn't they just, like, invent that title for him? Basically. So, I mean, if they invent a title for you, they got to like you on some regard, right? Yeah. And I think having Triple H at your back is going to help. Definitely. Um, but let's see. Ooh. You know what? Let me tell you about some of the things that happened in Lucha Underground, because I think that's the last thing to kind of catch up on this week, yeah? Yes. Yes. All right. So we had some crazy events. So Murder? Yes, more murder. 
Uh, are they doing like a murder an episode now? I I think so. Pretty damn close. Because uh, now with uh, there was another sacrifice. This time, another pretty prominent character, Jack Evans, bit the dust. He was Seriously? sacrificed by Matanza. Yep. Wow. Yeah, Matanza killed Jack Evans. Uh, and then we had a debut of L Bunny and White Rabbit. Who? So L Bunny. My theory on this, based on presentation and things, is so Paul London came back to the temple in the midst of a match between the Reptile Tribe and uh, the combination of Ivelisse, Exolicious, and Joey Ryan. Yes. Alongside him, he brought in L Bunny, who I'm pretty sure is Masquerita Sagrada under the mask, but he's got like a new outfit now. He's like black and like a, got this like white sort of demonic bunny on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has been changed from the sacrifices of El Saltador and uh, Mala Suerte, mm-hmm. like the other two rabbits that got sacrificed. I think they've been pumped into him, and that's why he's powerful now. Because when he came mm-hmm. down and was like with these other guys, he was kicking some ass. And mm-hmm. they came down alongside the white rabbit, who's this like giant motherfucker. <laughs> and so they beat up the baby faces afterwards, and then put them into this like guillotine position on like the bottom rope so like all their necks were like being suspended mm-hmm. and then like had this clock out and basically retaining them like times up kind of thing like they're gonna mm. come get them i guess um i'd have to look and see a little bit more who this white rabbit guy is but like he seemed kind of familiar and he was fucking huge as shit i have to look it up i don't i don't he might have been walter but i'm not sure um anyway but there was another big return of something uh, from an earlier season. We had another nunchuck match, uh, callback to season two. Where oh my god! Yeah, tag team nunchuck match. Uh, but this time it was two on one. We had Drago and Aerostar teaming up against Jake Strong in a nunchuck match, and this ended up actually being like pretty fucking awesome for what it was. Like it was an interesting sort of way that it was booked because like Jake Strong is so much fucking bigger than both of these guys. That it was very clear, like, the way they booked it, like, it was very much like they had to either both be ganging up on him, or one of them had to get one of the nunchucks, and then it was, like, basically an episode of Pac- or, a, like, a level of Pac-Man, where, like, you're running away from the ghost until you get, a, like, one of the dots, and then they're running away from you for a couple seconds. So it was, like, Jake Strong would be, like, chasing one of the luchadors, and then he'd get a pair of nunchucks, and it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> for like a little bit and then eventually he'd get an advantage back but then it was just like this kind of repeating hilarious process but it was like i'm not giving it justice it was actually a really good match <laughs> uh like there was a spot too where like drago was up on aerostar's shoulders so that then he was like the same height or taller than jake strong so then he was able to shoot the poison mist in his eyes and then he had the nunchuck like on top of aerostar's shoulders and he was like hitting jake strong with it like as aerostar kept moving forward so that they could like stay at his same height and keep hitting it with the nunchucks so it was it was fun stuff nice um but eventually jake strong got the win there it was it was a really crazy big win he broke drago's ankle i believe okay uh then we ended up getting a four-way match for the number one contendership to the Lucha Underground title. And the winner will face Marty the Moth at Ultima Lucha Quattro for the Lucha Underground title. Which almost made me throw up in my mouth a little bit to say. <laughs> the fact that Marty the Moth is going into Ultima Lucha as the champion. Anyway. Pentagon ends up winning this match. 
Uh, it was between Pentagon, Cuerno, uh, El Dragones Teca, and Mil Muertes. Mm-hmm. And the way that it kind of ended up folding was that uh, so Dark Phoenix ended up coming out eventually, and he was starting to like go after Melissa Santos, but then Dragones Teca came out and attacked Phoenix, and then they kind of fought off to the back together. So then it was just the three of them, Mil Muertes, Cuerno, and Pentagon, until eventually... Um, the Mac comes out and screws over Mil Muertes, returning after the uh, haunted house match where Mil Muertes yeah. had like stabbed Mac in the head and like seemingly killed him. Uh, so Mac screwed over Mil. Pentagon gets the win. So Pentagon is going to be getting the rematch for the title. And we have this promo afterwards where Mac grabs a mic and he challenges Mil to a death match at Ultima Lucha Quattro. Oh, wow. Because he says he's not afraid of death anymore. <laughs> so, damn. We got got some stuff set up for Ultima Lucha Quattro. At this point, it seemed to me, if I had to make some guesses at the card, we've got uh, Pentagon versus Barty the Moth, which is confirmed. Um, but then we're probably going to have, I'm assuming, El Dragon Azteca versus Dark Phoenix. Um, I think we're going to be having... Um, let's see what else is going to be there. Uh, Mac versus Meal. Obviously, he just challenged him. Yeah. Uh, I think we're also going to have because Jack Evans just getting killed by Matanza, and then right before that we had uh, Johnny. Re- yeah, Johnny wrestling, not Johnny Re- Joey wrestling, because it was uh, Joey Mercury that got killed by Matanza. I think Johnny Mundo versus Matanza is going to be a match at Ultima Lucha. That would be interesting. Yeah. And then we'll get a big old trios orgy match. Probably the rabbit tribe, the reptile tribe, and then the the faces. Yeah, we're going to have some crazy shit at Ultima Lucha this year, I think. Can't wait to talk about it. Mac versus Meal, though. This is the Mac's biggest match at Ultima Lucha. Oh, he's definitely. constantly been in this like feud with the cage, with Cage at Ultima Lucha so far. So this will be his first time where he's getting something really big and different. So this will be exciting. But uh, yeah, I guess that'll pretty much uh, do it for this week then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so catch us back next week when we talk about SmackDown Raw and everything. And I think we're still a week or two away from Super Show, right? Next next week is the go home shows. So oh, next, next week is the go home. So next week we will run down the Super Showdown card from Australia. Yep, we'll run down that card, give our predictions, put the title I'll on win the, the belt line. back. To... Huh? I said I'll win the belt back. Psh, you wish. You know what? The world would have to turn upside down for you to win it back. But oh, so I right. guess that's exactly what's happening when we go down to Super Showdown. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. I already I mean, feel upside fuck. down. I'm in, I'm in the south. And hey, you know what? In a lot of ways, the world is turning upside down, right? Like Shawn Michaels might be coming back to wrestling. Ah, so much to discuss. So much to discuss. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out at Super Showdown in the future. Peace out to everybody else. Until next week. See you.